friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. The music that you're hearing is from my good buddy, Ryan Allwart. He just had a new album come out in early July called 72. It's a covers album with all 70s covers. Really great stuff. Make sure that you go check that out. I'm really excited about this week's episode because... We get to sort of pick up where we left off with last week's conversation with Scott Sauls. My guest this week is Matt Brown. Matt is an author, an evangelist, and just a pretty influential Christian voice. And so I'm excited to talk to him. Last year, he wrote a book called Truth Plus Love, The Jesus Way to Influence. And a lot of the concepts in that are very similar to what Scott Sauls wrote in his book, A Gentle Answer. And so Matt actually lives in Minneapolis. And so he has a pretty unique account of how the city handled the George Floyd situation and his church was able to do a lot of stuff for the community and he and his family were actually able to go visit the site where George Floyd was unfortunately murdered and he talks about how powerful that experience was what it was like for the city to come together and I just really enjoyed hearing from Matt and his whole purpose of writing the book was to talk about how we could handle these kind of situations with grace, with love, similar to what we talked about with Scott Sauls last week. And so I'm really excited to share this. I think it compares really well, and it's very relevant to what we are experiencing in our country. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Here is my conversation with Matt Brown. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. I was trying to think today how we really started following each other. And I, I can't even remember when it was. I just know that at some point we both started following each other on Twitter and I've enjoyed your tweets. I've enjoyed interacting with you, but yeah, I couldn't pinpoint when that was, but nonetheless, happy to have met you and happy for you to join the show today. Yeah. Great to be on. Thank you so much. So I want to start off by talking about um, kind of some heavy stuff, I guess, not, I guess it is heavy to start off here, but you live in, in, in Minneapolis, in the Minneapolis area. And mm-hmm. Given what's been going on this summer, I know that you um, actually got to go visit the spot where George, George Floyd was killed, and mm-hmm. your ministry and your church have done a lot to uh, you know, be there for the community. What has that been like? And obviously, we watch as a country on TV and read it on the internet, what's happening. You know, I'm here in Kentucky, but you're right there. It's right in your backyard. What has it been like for you to kind of be at the epicenter of the current racial um, I don't want to say battle, but the racial situation that our country finds itself in. What's it been like to be a witness to that kind of in person? Yeah, yeah it was so sad. I mean, it's, it is uh, here in our city in Minneapolis. And uh, my wife and I were able to go down there to the memorial um, with, our, with our kids and just, uh, just kind of take it in. And, and obviously what we're all saying right now, um, uh, or a lot of us are saying right now, is just to, to listen and to learn and to lament and so just to kind of be there and to think about, you know, this moment. And I think that that's one of the big things that I've seen is people just need to know, like, I mean, you can't, you can't empathize with anybody if you're trying to make a point, you know? And so you got to kind of stop for a second and, and trying to be right, trying to prove a point, trying to mm-hmm. make it political or anything else. And just, just try to have God's compassion, you know, his heart of compassion for people and for um, uh, breaking uh, oppression and and injustice. And 
uh, seeing a change. And I mean, this is just a unique time. It's, you know, it's interesting. It's a unique time because it's been a pandemic. We've been, right. in a pan- we've all forgotten now, but we've been in a pandemic and then, and then now this racial unrest. And, and so, and I don't know, I don't know about you, Cole, but I, I kind of feel like um, in a sense, there's been these national repentance moments, like over the years, the recent years with like the Me Too movement. Like there's a lot of that as believers and as the church that we're like celebrating. <laughs> like right. this is the kind of stuff we've been preaching for a long time. People are finally getting it in their own way. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, and then there's this, this racial um, injustice and just this kind of this conversation of like how we can, um, you know, we can repent and we can see change and see a, a greater future, a brighter future. And so in the same way, it's like, as the church, we should be, you know, and I think there's many, I see, I see so many, it's hard because people see different things on their, their news feeds and their social media yeah. feeds. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, you know, this, cause you're a writer, you know, there's so much um, narratives that are thrown out there. But what I see is just a lot of pastors and a lot of leaders and a lot of people that, that have just done, just, just felt like the need to listen, not that they're perfect, you know, but just felt the need that, that they're there to, to repent. And so, yeah, so, you know, it was, uh, George Floyd's murder was on the same street that my wife and I went to Bible college on. Wow. It's not quite right next to that, but it's on the same road, uh, Chicago Avenue. And it was powerful being there. Um, it felt like a spiritually charged atmosphere. Yeah. Both my wife and I walked away. It was like, that was, that was interesting, you know? Um, and it, uh, you know, now over, you know, I mean, even then, but, but now there was a lot of church groups around, you know, mm-hmm. handing out waters, praying for people. But even now there's been like, literally, I'm not even kidding you, revival services <laughs> happening yeah. near the memorial. And um, there's like worship happening and there's, there's prayer and there's preaching and stuff and people are coming to Christ and there's like, powerful thing i mean revival in the streets yeah so people always said revival wasn't going to come the way that you expect it but it's going to come you know god's going to move again but it's going to be different than you think again i'm just wondering i mean these these national repentance moments where we're hopefully a lot of us going that wasn't right right you know in our history and and um to see the image of God and, and others who are different than us. And of course we, you know, we know as believers that the gospel brings people together like nothing else can, you know, that's the message of Ephesians. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and saying all this, um, you know, he's got all these aspects of the gospel, these benefits of the gospel, what Jesus has done in your life. It's so much bigger and more amazing than you could ever imagine. And, in the beginning of Ephesians, it's the longest run on sentence in the Bible because he's stumbling over his words, just talking about the glory of the gospel and what Christ has done for you and how it just literally can blow your mind. And then he rolls into, uh, you know, the, how, how, how this gospel brings us together from such diverse backgrounds, how this, this brings us together. And so, and, and it's not, you know, I think one of the things that I've appreciated about this time and learned is, um, I heard a I heard a pastor in Washington D.C. I saw a clip of him online where he said, "You know, you don't you don't say, uh, you know, about abortion, for instance." He goes, "You don't say like, hey, just preach the gospel to that." No, you like you you talk about that. That's wrong. That's a sin. You know, we're not supposed to do that. That's 
and and yes, you know, the gospel changes people's hearts like no, you know, work that we'd ever do could or nothing. But I appreciate that perspective and it changed my mindset because I was like, no, when it comes to like things the Bible's called us to do, to speak up for the oppressed, you know, to have God's heart of compassion for other people who are different than us. When it when it comes to what the Bible says, we don't just tack on just preach the gospel. So it's two, it's two things. The gospel changes people's hearts like nothing else can, but we're also called to do things and to respond and to care. And so it's both of those things. So anyway, so, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of Christian leaders and pastors and believers and young influencers responding so beautifully to it all. And so I hope people see that. I don't know if they see that. I hope they see that. Um, but yeah, his, um, George Floyd's funeral was actually at our Bible college. They held it at our Bible college chapel. Um, and it was, it was fascinating. There's so many famous people that came into it. Um, right. And the current Bible college president there did a great job beating and just, uh, he, he set up a memorial, uh, scholarship in, in George Floyd Memorial scholarship for aspiring young black leaders. I thought that was wonderful. And he yeah. challenged every college president in America to, to do one as well. And I think what it is, it's not, um, you know, pe- people nitpick and they, they go like, oh, you know, I mean, I don't even want to get too deep into this, but people nitpick and they go like, uh, you know, should we be setting up a scholarship in his honor? Well, it's like, dude, you know, this, this guy, his life was taken. I think it's such a beautiful thing to do. It's not just about him, but it's about changing the, the uh, injustice and the equity. It's about, um, yes honoring his life because his life was taken now i've heard different reports because i saw like that he was doing ministry in houston before he came up to minnesota i don't know him i didn't know him personally but you know people loved him and and again it's it's about the image of god in every person no matter if they've done everything perfect in their life or not that's what it's about you know that's what as christians we're called to do to love and to honor people you know so christians look at all this we're supposed to see a different thing we're following jesus not the world we're supposed to just see, you know, the image of God in people and to love people, even, even people that, you know, that seem unlovable. And so for Christians, there's no room for the cancel culture, right? There's no room for the, like the, the, the hate and the attitude. We, we want to walk in love. You know, we speak truth, but we walk in love. So, you know, I think you, you hit on something right there too. I, you mentioned how it seems like there's somewhat of a revival happening. And I noticed that right whenever this all started, something about the reaction to this felt different. And we've had, you know, think about Michael Brown, the Ferguson stuff in Missouri and um, the stuff in Baltimore. And there's been things all throughout history, but even in the last 10 years where we've seen, you know, an unarmed black man was killed by a cop. We've seen riots, we've seen protests, and then it just kind of fades away. And there was something that felt different about this situation from the get-go. And I couldn't put a finger on it right away. And I remember, um, you know, I do this uh, weekly newsletter. And I decided that week, I, I never have written anything and or really talked publicly about race. I just have always felt like, you know, a lot of a lot of white males have felt like it's not my place to talk about it. You know, what am I going to say about this? And it's like, I think the problem has been that too many people in my position haven't talked about it. And so I just stayed up really, it was like probably until three in the morning writing just what was coming to my mind. And I sent this out to my, my newsletter list 
Um, and I ended up putting it on my website too, because I wanted to just share it with everybody. But my wife read it and she said, I had no idea you felt these things. And it was basically just about like, you know, we have got to address those of us that are privileged. We have to address the fact that like, you know, like for me, I can go to a store and never have to worry about how I'm going to be perceived, how I'm going to be treated or anything. Uh, just even the thing about like, you know, I'm a football fan, NFL, they have a, a policy where every team has to interview a minority candidate for a head coaching job, which I get the the idea behind that. But I, but imagine feeling like you're just a token interview because you're a minority and like Romeo Cornell, who um, was one of the longest standing coaches in the NFL, he's been interviewed for more jobs than any other candidate because he's black and he's qualified, but he's gotten very, he's not gotten any head coaching offers. And it's like, he knows mm. most of the time he goes into this interview, he's just there because they need to check a box off the list. And it's like, mm. there's so many things that like, you know, we think that we're not racist. We think that we're not, um, and I'm not saying that everybody's racist by any means, but I'm saying like, we don't recognize like some of the privileges that we do have. And so that's, I think for me has been the awakening part of it. And I think a lot of people are finally awakening to the fact that like, like, yes, I understood that they, that, you know, like people have been treated poorly throughout history at blacks have been treated badly um, still are. And I think a lot of people in my position, you know, young white Americans are realizing like, okay, it's not just that they've been treated badly. It's the fact that like we have benefited from the way that the system is set up. And I think just, you look at all of this stuff, especially people, you know, my, I'm 30 years old, people in my age bracket and even younger are really stepping up and saying like, we want change for our future. And so I think it's been encouraging to see the response, um, you know, not saying the looting and the rioting and, and burning that kind of stuff is good, but like the response to, Hey, as a country, this has got to stop. We have got to change it. And, you know, I think you're right. I've seen people in the Christian sector really stepping up and saying, Hey, we need to lead this charge and we need to be, you know, we need to show people the face of Jesus during this moment. So um, fascinating to hear how things were in Minneapolis. Cause yeah. you know, obviously we see it on TV, but you got to experience it firsthand, but mm -hmm. And your book, um, Truth Plus Love, I think, you know, this came out in 2019, but I think it, it obviously, I think, hits perfectly to what we're talking about here, because you talked about how, as Christians, we need to approach these situations, not with the idea of canceling somebody, but mm. with showing them, you know, who Jesus is and the love of Jesus. How did you get this idea for this book? And um, obviously, you didn't know when it came out in 2019 that we would be dealing with this in 2020, but... Yeah race and, and just the way that we deal with people in general is going to be something that I think we deal with the rest of our lives. So yeah. talk to me about how you came up with this idea and you know, why you felt like that book was necessary. Yeah, totally. Well, I just had a, such a burden on my heart for the, for the book. And, um, you know, so I've been doing evangelistic ministry for about 19, 20 years now. Um, grew up in a Christian home since the call to ministry in my late teens. And, um, you know, I began basically to start to preach around the country as an evangelist um, when I was beginning in Bible college, kind of in the middle of Bible college, continued on and continued to do that now for almost 20 years. And just early on in ministry, I, you know, I, I found myself getting the, the wrong idea of what it meant to be like radical for Christ. You know, what does it mean to be like spiritually mature and passionate about your faith? Um, and I, th I think this is something that happens to a lot of us. Um, but for me, it was, you know, how intense I was, you know, how passionate and almost aggressive in my faith I was. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm all for witnessing and, you know, I'd go out street witnessing actually on the streets of Minneapolis, like, you know, not far from, from some of these recent things. And, 
that Bible college chapels where I prayed and fasted and sought God for revival, you know, that, that we just had this, this memorial service for George Floyd. But I, you know, all that stuff is, is fantastic. You know, spiritual disciplines are so important, but it's not just the disciplines that we do, but it's about our heart, our attitude. And so kind of over the last like five years, I felt like God just started to really speak to my heart about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And I thought, that's, that's really what it means to grow in Christ. That's how we know we're growing in Christ. Because the reality is you can do all the disciplines. You can do the outer things. You can be super aggressive, super passionate, super intense about those things and really still be a jerk, yeah. you know? And what does it mean to really have Christ change your heart in a way that's not your, that's not your selfish responses to the world and everything that's going on? And, and that's when you're growing and you're becoming a person of greater love and you have a greater genuine joy in your life that you feel, and you have a greater peace in your life and peace that you're bringing to others around you. And when you have a greater gentleness and when you have a greater kindness. So it's like, as we grow in those things, we know that the spirit is having its, his way, you know, God's having his way in our lives. And, and so it really, you know, to define it, I just kind of compared from Ephesians uh, three, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, where Paul just says, speaking the truth and love, you know, we'll grow in every way. Um, so it's like, we know as Christians, we're called to truth. And I actually share about that in the book. I'm like, listen, truth is even more than you realize truth is powerful. Like God's power is in his truth. It's in the truth of his word. It's in the truth of the gospel. When you, when you share the gospel, there's Holy spirit power. When you share the truth of God's word. There's Holy Spirit power in that. It's super powerful stuff. And that's actually something to be almost mindful and careful of is like, there's more power when you share like God's truth with somebody online or something, or you share it with your friend when you're hanging out, when we can hang out again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're doing, when you're doing that, uh, it's more powerful than you realize. You almost have to be like almost cautious with it. It's, God's truth is powerful. Um, and so um, that's why we can sometimes do, da- you know, people can sometimes do damage with it when they're legalistic with it or they're whatever with it. So truth, truth is powerful. When we, if we, if we edit the truth of God's word or we only take the parts we want, we're, we're losing the power to save. We're losing the power to change our lives, you know? And um, one of the stories that, that I thought of through, you know, the years as I wrote this and began to share about this at churches around the country was you know, this connection that I've been able to have over the last year with Daryl Strawberry, the great baseball player, four-time world champion, uh, world series champion. And, um, you know, Daryl has such a powerful testimony and I'm so thankful now that not only is he a believer in Jesus and he's living uh, his life clean and, and strong, but he's also a preacher of the gospel and he's, he's just on fire, man. He's so full of purpose. He's such an amazing guy. Have you ever had a chance to meet him? I haven't. I know Jason Romano is is good friends. He's like one of Jason Romano's childhood idols, and yeah. uh, you know Jason's obviously gotten to interview him, and I've seen him talk about him too. But no, I've never gotten to meet Daryl. Um, would love to. I'm a huge baseball oh, fan. Yeah. So. Totally, totally. So um, you know, mine as well. Actually, um, I grew up. He was one of my favorite players. So <laughs> I still remember when he preached at Greg Laurie's church in Southern California, and my close friend Jason Powell who's been a teaching pastor there for many years and uh is on the team with Greg said hey you should connect with Daryl and I was like yes that'd be (laughs) be amazing so 
Daryl ended up coming to my book premiere for Truth Plus Love last year. We did, we held one before an outreach we were doing in Northwest Arkansas at Cross Church. And um, he came out and it was just such an honor to connect with him. But his, his testimony, again, his story is so powerful because, you know, he was um, super successful. But with, uh, with that uh, athletic fame, you know, you kind of have your own world and and so, you know, he was caught up in the pursuit of pleasure in, the, in, in drug abuse and other things throughout his career and beyond his career. And he was just caught in this cycle of, of self-destruction. Right. And his, his wife now was pulling him out of drug houses. And, you know, he shared the story with us and was, um, was just, you know, help, basically helped him to understand, to get into the word. It's not just, you know, it's not just um, believe Jesus is out there somewhere, but let him come and save you out of, out of your destruction. And, and by God's grace, he did, you know, the, the, the word got into him. It wasn't just that he got into the word, the word got into him. It changed right. him. Daryl didn't need somebody to tell him, Hey, you know, he didn't need someone to be like, Hey, we just love you. No truth. He needed the truth. And like we all do, every single one of us does. The reason we need the truth is because God's truth changes our lives for, for our good, you know, right. so that we can become love so that we can become people of love. And so, so we need the truth. Right. But and I think Christians know that they, they understand intuitively in their, and they start attending church and they start getting disciple and start reading the word. And they they know like, okay, we got to get the truth. Um, and we know we're supposed to be loving, but I think we don't understand how much that, uh, is just packed full in the word of God. It's truth and it's love. Those are two of the great themes of the Bible. And we need both as a believer, not just one or the other. Even if we're naturally good at one or the other, we so need both. And they go together so powerfully. And we need love, um, this heart of love and, and the rest of the fruit of the spirit. We need to grow in those things because that draws people to us for the sake of the truth. So kind of my whole thought is just that like, when you grow in love and you grow in joy, and I'm, I'm not just talking about fake, but like real joy, mm-hmm. you know, when you grow in peace and you grow in those things, kindness and gentleness, people are drawn to you, you know, and, and they can see the truth of Jesus in you. And so it's just, that's, that's kind of the, the layout. Uh, I wrote chapters on the fruit of the spirit, you know, and just how can we grow in these things in a real way in our lives? You know, you mentioned just the, the idea of, of sharing truth and, the gentleness aspect of it in a world where social media is what it is. You know, I think back 20 years ago, we didn't have social media in the same way we have it now. Um, Even, even for Christians, you know, and I'm guilty of this time to time, but even as Christians where, you know, we believe in our heart that we have a heart of love. Sometimes somebody says something or does something on social media that gets the best of us. And we respond in a way that maybe we didn't want to, or we regret responding that way. And, you know, the goal obviously is to always be able to respond in love and to never respond, um, you know, in a combative way. What is your advice for people that maybe, you know, they, they struggle with how to respond. They struggle with maybe wanting to bite their tongue to say something and and instead respond in love. I mean, it is so important, but it's hard for some people to do. Um, you know, whenever maybe you've talked with people that, you know, that's where they're at and, you're trying to help them like, Hey, here is how you respond in love. I mean, what are some of the, I mean, is it, is it as simple as changing our, our heart and our mind and, and having the, the joy of Jesus in our heart or what, what actually is kind of the, you know, the best method to kind of change the way we approach those situations whenever it comes to social media. 
Totally. Yeah. And you're right. First Corinthians uh, says, do everything in love. You know, it's not just say, hey, love is supposed to be a, a pretty big, important part of your life for several people, but like do all things in love. And there's so many scriptures on it. I feel like you almost need the blinders to come off if you have the wrong perspective like I did. I, I needed to see the scripture in a different way almost because all of a sudden these scriptures start standing out to me just over and over and over again about the walking in peace, about compassion, about God's love for us and letting that flow through us. And um, yeah, why it's become so important more than ever, like, like you're saying, not just this year, but last year and just in the season is we're in just a very uh, historic time because of social media. It's been the biggest communication shift in so long. And uh, one of the things that I've found that I've really enjoyed over the last year or two, um, and even especially during the pandemic, is reading some of these, you know, massive biographies of presidential history. Yeah. Um, and so I read one last year, uh, last fall, that was called The Bully Pulpit. And it was about uh, Teddy Roosevelt and, uh, and Taft, President Taft. And it was also about kind of this golden age of journalism during that time. And it was like this, uh, it was by Doris Kearns Goodwin. She's just such a good writer, like all of her biographies. Since then I've read, during the pandemic, I read Leadership in Turbulent Times, which was four different presidents and how they led during very turbulent times in American history. And it's interesting because you feel like it's such a turbulent time now, but not when you read, not when you read history. That's the crazy thing. You're like, yeah. oh my, wait. So like eight states left america to start their own country wait you know it's like we should know this stuff because we all did history class in high school but you know, just, I, and i love history by the way but i just um have so enjoyed uh that during this time it's like it's almost like you it gives you a perspective uh on gives you perspective on what we're going through and it's not to say that this isn't such a difficult time it is but um but it also helps you understand like i i was reading about these historic times um as doris wrote so beautifully about these different presidents um and and i was just sensing like god has kept our nation just as an example and i know god cares about each nation on earth and you see like the way god has worked even in the middle of our mess um through our history and how he does in other countries too that that um that there's believers um and so God has, God has, has kept our nation. And just, I just feel like I felt so strong. Like he, he's done it so many times, you know, it's not like, it's not like it's going to be difficult for him to do it again, you know? So again, not to belittle these times, these are, these are definitely, you know, unprecedented. And I saw a great meme. Memes are kind of the saving grace right now <laughs> that said, um, I just can't wait for precedent and, and, and uh, precedent in times again. <laughs> yeah you know, it was it was uh i can't wait for precedent and, and certain times again instead of yeah. unprecedented answer but anyway so i was reading about though in bully pulpit about teddy roosevelt and i almost dropped my i've been reading a lot on my phone on kindle these days i almost dropped my phone because he says in the early 1900s there was a huge communication shift that happened and because of that there was all these nervous disorders being diagnosed and he said, uh, it, they say in this that uh, literally it was because of the speed of communication had shifted. It was because now people can hear about all the negative things that are happening around the country. There was a lot of like 
um, more critical journalism that was happening during that time where for a while it was a good thing. And then it kind of got overran, overpopulated that they were constantly posting negative news about negative things that were happening, very much highlighted. So it was because that information was spreading because there was more of that kind of journalism and then uh, a few other things that all of this nerve, you know, and I just thought, how crazy, like we've had a huge communication shift with social media and I'll talk about that in a second. But right now that people have so struggled with mental health, you know, uh, people have so struggled with mental health. I think, and I think it's an unusual rate, you know, um, Greg Glory, in fact, had posted and said that um, like out of Gen Z, there was a huge study that was done and it's like the loneliest generation. Mm-hmm. We're the most connected generation, but we're the loneliest generation. And it's just because digital connection isn't enough. It's a, it can be a great thing, but it's not enough. Right. And I just thought, man, I just feel like people are, are, we're seeing such a rise of this in our nation, in our world. And yet we've also had this communication. I was just like, wow, a hundred years later, but it's like a similar shift and a similar problem and a similar struggle. So here's, here's what I realized along uh, the, the journey of writing the book was that this is the first generation in history, you know, that we, that we have what I would call like these online megaphones, Yeah, you know, where we're, we're talking about what's going on. It's the first generation in history that has 24 hour news media. We're the first generation in history that, um, that can kind of respond and say how we feel about all that. And so it just sounds like there's a lot of people yelling at each other, you know, <laughs> it just does. And so there's, there's really like the message of truth and love and how it's such a necessity, the message of the fruit of the spirit and how we need self-control and gentleness and kindness, faithfulness as Christians. It's always been important, but it's especially important when you have a communication shift that is, that is deeply affecting the psyche of our people. And so, so there's just this, this kind of moment where you go, okay, we have to learn how to use social media carefully. Like we don't realize, I think what people don't realize, it's like you're, it's like you have a bullhorn and you're not just talking to one person, but you're talking to thousands of people. This person's messed up. (laughs) You're just shouting at them to your thousands of followers. And it's like, whoa, it's coming across so strong. Yeah. It's coming across so intense and it's like pull back, you know? And so, you know, the, you know, if there's, of course, if there's, you know, I think this can help someone who's not even a believer, not even a person of faith, but if you're a person of faith, you're called to represent Christ. You're called to be Jesus uh, in his heart to the world, not Jesus, but you're called to like reflect Christ right. to the world and his character. And if you think about the fruit of the spirit, by the way, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of the character of God, you know, that's, right. it's, it's like take on his character, imitate him and reflect him to the world so that people can see him because he wants to draw people to his goodness, his grace, his love, his healing, his forgiveness, his peace, his power in their lives. And so, you know, God's calling us to reflect him and we got to be like totally rethink it with social media, totally rethink it with this massive historic communication shift this year with the pandemic this year with the negative news this year in an election cycle (laughs) this this year with with needed racial unrest you know uh 
but also last year too and also in the coming years it's like we gotta we gotta really pull back and say how do i be a person of truth and love that reflects christ in this huge communication shift that i'm living in and by the way i love social media yeah absolutely love it but i also know especially twitter can be so toxic so toxic it's like i mean sometimes i go on there and i'm just like oh my goodness like you know, and it's not my feed. It's not who I follow so much. It's, it's like the, tw- the trends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if, if Twitter would commit just to make a positive story trend, cause they choose their trends, right? You know, they have a big part of, they, they, they curate them. If they would just choose positive for every negative, like just have both. It could change the world. Like Twitter, if you're listening, you know, I don't know if Jack's <laughs> listening to this, but I don't know if he's a listener yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on, we're working on Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially this year with it being an election year, because it's going to be such a contentious time when November rolls around because of how polarizing Donald Trump is, because of how polarizing everything going on in our country is right now. Social media is going to be the hotbed for all of those emotions. And it's going to be very tempting for Christians to get into that and to, um, you know, fall, not want to say fall victim, but to fall into the trap of, you know, kind of just blowing out of a big megaphone and, and, mm. and participating in all of that. So I guess what is the best, well, I guess I shouldn't say the best way, but what, what are, what are some ways that as Christians, we can, we can prepare for the fall um, because it is going to be, it's going to be a crazy time. I mean, it's funny how you can tell, like if, if you showed somebody a response to something, you could kind of tell, if it came on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, there's kind oh, of yeah. like a, a characteristic <laughs> of the type of content you see on each of those sites. But um, mm. it's just, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that happens this fall. You know, I guess what's the best way that Christians can prepare for this and sort of guard against falling into that trap of like, you should be canceled or like just shouting at people for whatever reason. Yeah, well, first of all, just remember, there's nothing good that comes from that. It's not that you have an opinion online isn't going to change someone's opinion. I actually think that's wrong, too. I think that's a fatalistic attitude. You know, sometimes people say, I've never heard of somebody's political opinion that was changed by a post online. Well, that's not true. We are affected by each other's opinions, potentially the opposite goal that we have, depending on how we come across. But, you know, we influence each other. That's that's the reality, and we all know it. I think we intuitively know that. We influence other people. Um, I've tried to be careful as I've talked about my book over the last year um, to say, you know, hey, don't post about politics or don't post about some hot button issue. Because, I mean, the reality is that there might be a time and place to do some of those things. And you might feel called to do it more than me. And I might feel called to do it, you know, more than you or whatever, depending on the issue. You know, something that I've seen a lot of this year is a lot of, there's just so much shaming going on. I think it's because we're all, honestly, I really truly believe we're all experiencing trauma from oh, yeah. this pandemic and the loss. I think that there's a grieving that needs to happen and things like that. And then of course, with racial unrest, it's a whole other set of it as well. Um, that, you know, you and I probably can't even fully comprehend what, you know, everybody's feeling either, you know, right. but, but I just think, um, you know, there's, there's that. And um, so it's just, we just have to be, you know, the big thing that I would say, you know, I don't want to tell people not to speak truth. And I think especially with politics, there's more than meets the eye. There's a, there's a, 
there's a spiritual battle taking place too. It's not just, it's not just, it's, it's, it's complex. It's so complex, you know, it's so complex. So I, I do have friends that are passionately political, you know, and I have a lot, most of my, most people I know aren't, you know, they're a little involved, but they're not posting about everything. Um, and then plenty of friends that aren't, you know, are never posting about that too. And I have friends that have different opinions about it, different issues too. And I have actually people I respect, people I like, I look to that have different thoughts about some of those things. Um, but I just, the big thing that I feel is so important is how do you, even if you do feel like you're so passionate about sharing truth in one arena or another or about a specific issue, how do you do it in a way that Jesus would do it? You know, right. those old bracelets, what would Jesus do? It's not that Jesus never spoke the truth. He did speak the truth, but he did it in a way that the crowds always flocked around him. You know, he, right. he didn't, he didn't do it in a way that nobody wanted to listen to him anymore. So there's something, and it's not, it's not about crowds. There's just something about Jesus. He had the heart of love. He had the heart of the father. And so you had, you just have to like know that as a believer specifically, first of all, I just think for non-believer or believer in general, this is good practice, good principle, but for a believer, you need God's heart for people. You're not out there trying to prove points and win arguments. You're out there trying to lead people to the greatest news in the history of the world, which is Jesus Christ. You live by the good news. There's a silver lining in every area of your life. When you go through suffering, there's a silver lining. You experience the presence and the promise of God in those seasons greater than any other time in your life. And so you just, you're living by the gospel now. You're living by a different set of news, a different set of perspective, a different, you're wearing different lenses. As you view the situations in the world, you need the heart of the father. You need this heart. And yes, there's a time to speak the truth, but I always feel like we need to speak the truth as a father to a son. We need right. to speak the truth as a mother to a son or a daughter. We need to speak the truth as a brother to a sister. Right. That there's this love, that there's this love that people can tangibly see and feel in your life that changes the conversation, that you're not just like the rest of the world around you and how you're engaging with the issues of our day. And so that's, you know, and I'm not perfect at it. No one's perfect at it, but I think we can grow in it. And that's what God's calling us to do. This is what it really means, in my opinion, to grow into spiritual maturity isn't just to do a certain discipline more, but it's to have our heart changed. It's to have our attitude changed. It's to have our perspective changed by the message of the gospel that we become people of truth. We become people of joy, people of peace. And it would draw people to this truth. And then we speak the truth. They know, like, we just love them, you know. Yeah. And we give people dignity as believers. We, we should be giving people dignity. They can believe whatever they want to believe. You know, they can believe stuff that's so different than us. They can believe stuff that's, that we think is kind of not a good idea. You know, yeah. we love them. We love people. doesn't mean we don't ever speak the truth. We look for the right moments, but I'll just add to all of this. Contrary to popular belief, it's not our job to correct every stranger on the internet. And if we go looking for a fight with everybody and trying to correct everybody, we're going to get nowhere fast. The Bible actually talks about it in the Proverbs. It says, don't mess with a fight that's not yours. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to be wise. You got to have discernment in these times. But what is what are you coming across to people? as? not just how do you think you are, but what, a, what do you sense that people are getting from you? Or do they see the love of God in you? Yeah. Because that's supposed to be the preeminent, preeminent characteristic of our lives. We're just to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're just to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength and love people, love God and love people, know God and help others know him. 
And so we do those things through this character shift in our lives. So we're aiming for the right thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think in my opinion, you can do this, whether you're outspoken politically or not, you know, it should, I think what it should do, it should shift. If you're outspoken politically, there's maybe some things you don't post Yeah, that you would normally have wanted to post. You want to post it, but you don't post out of the flesh anymore. You post out of the spirit. You got to be in step with the spirit, led by the spirit. If something grieves the heart of God that you're saying about another person who's made in his image, you need to repent. You need to like just pause this podcast before you listen to the rest of it and just say, Lord, start with me, send revival and start with me. I was wrong, you know? Um, But then, you know, there's, there might be for others, you need to apologize for something you've posted or something you've commented or something you said. And then for others, you might just say, how do I have self-control in what I'm doing? Because if, if you have these principles in your life, then you can post sometimes when it's the right moment, or you can direct message because that's an option too to somebody (laughs) when it's the right moment. But to be more careful that we reflect the heart of God to a world that is like, just so parched for him right now. They're so parched for grace. And I know that there's a well of living water that's flowing called grace and it comes from the heart of the father through his son jesus christ through the cross and so man you just need you know we need that to flow in our lives every day we need to remind ourselves of this and (laughs) i don't know about you cole but i mean every day because i'm like i mean you want to respond to things and it's like no constantly come back we it's almost never been a greater time we need self-control we need gentleness in what we do I've gone through seasons where I felt like I was doing really well with that self-control. And then I get back into a season where it's like, I feel so prompted to comment on everything. And it's like, I need to remind myself, like you're saying, like, I don't need to comment on everything. And I think when you have that self-control and then you have that discernment of when and when and how I need to speak, when you do speak, it makes people listen more, you know, like if it's somebody who maybe doesn't normally chime in on something, it's like, wow, this really moved them if they're willing to speak on this topic. And so that's, you know, to kind of end this with a kind of a, I guess, a more positive note. I mean, what are, what have you been encouraged by, you know, we we talked a lot about, you know, how not to respond and how not to behave whenever we, you know, we're talking about social media, but you know, what, what have you been encouraged by in terms of how Christians or just people in general have responded to some of these issues? I mean, what are some maybe, uh, you know, really positive or, or, or God glory stories that you have seen during this time? Yeah, totally. Um, well, you know, I see, I see a couple different guys that do a great job of kind of being salt and light speaking into, you know, in some of the circumstances and a little bit more hot button issues. Um, so I appreciate those guys. Again, I think we all have different callings in, in how much or little we, we should do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just seen, I have seen a great response uh, of, of the, the racial unrest now and the injustice now and the equity stuff now. And so I've, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I don't know that I have anything expert to say in any of this, but I'm listening and I'm trying to grow and, you know, like so many others. Um, and see if I can can be a change maker in any way. Um, and got some great friends like Sam Collier, who's done just such a good job speaking into all this stuff. I had him on my podcast as well, uh, talking about it at, that week. You know, when everything was was uh, first coming uh, to the forefront of our of our culture, 
in America. Um, so, you know, I've seen, I've seen just some great stuff there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, I feel like regularly you see, um, you see some negative, but of course there's lots of positive too, you know, right. there's lots of positive too. So. So the final question I always ask my guests, the show is called in no hurry. And so I always like to ask people, you know, when, when life gets crazy, um, and obviously we haven't been as busy with the pandemic, but whenever your life is super busy and you kind of realize you need to just peel back and relax a little bit, what are some things that you do just to kind of slow down and, and relax and kind of recenter your heart and your mind? Yeah, I love it. Well, we're, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, so we, uh, just love to get into the sun <laughs> during the summer months and we got beautiful summer happening right here. Um, so, you know, just trying to do that. I think that's so good for our health as well to get vitamin D yeah. and good for our mood. Um, so I, like, I just love, you know, especially in the mornings, if I can just drink coffee in the sun, you know, um, for a little bit. And then for me, it's, you know, a couple things love, you know, anytime I can just, play with my family, play with my kids, you know, spend time with my wife. And then I love reading as well. So like I mentioned, I've just been kind of getting lost in these long biographies. I'm now reading one about Ulysses S. Grant. Um, and it's just, you know, so powerful and fascinating. I think it's by Ron Chernow, if I'm right. I'm not sure. It was written a couple years ago and it was literally the number one New York Times bestseller, one oh, of their wow. top recommended books for the year, I think in 2017 so well written it's like a thousand pages oh gosh <laughs> as i've been reading some of these i'm like i don't want them to be over like yeah i'm a slow reader but i read so much that i you know probably read them you know in a semi short period of time but yeah anytime i can escape to do that i just for me reading just fills me up and you know history is great too yeah uh so reading friends you know uh, things like that um finding little hobbies and, and things to do i think you know also i've seen so many people like out exercising these yeah. days and that's great you know so those are some ways to take care of ourselves too but that's what those are some a few of the things that i love to do so well matt thank you so much for joining the show and, and talking about these issues i know it's it's not always fun to discuss some, some of the major issues that are going on in our country but it is needed and it's important that as christians we address them in the way that God is calling us to address them. So I hope anybody listening to this this week, uh, you know, hears these words and, and really takes them to heart because I think it's so important, especially like you mentioned, this is an election year and those can always be contentious. And I think it's, it's without a question going to be going to be contentious. And I think the way that we respond uh, as Christians on social media during these times could go a long way to whether somebody, you know, understands the character of God and who God is and sees it in us, or, you know, maybe they decide to still continue turning away from God. So there really is a lot more uh, importance to how we, how we behave than maybe, maybe we realize. So thanks for speaking the truth to this yeah. issue and, and obviously encourage anybody uh, who's listening to pick up your book and then where can people follow you if they want to connect with you on the internet? Yep. Yeah, so my uh, handles uh, at evangelist Matt everywhere, just cause Matt Brown's such a common name <laughs> and, um, and then thinky.org. Um, as well has, you know, some of our other ministry resources, just always want to be an encouragement and point people to the gospel. Well, Matt, grateful for you and grateful for this conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up again sometime soon. Thanks, Cole. Well, I so appreciate Matt coming onto the podcast and talking about those issues and ways that we as Christians can approach them. If you want to purchase Matt's book, Truth Plus Love, I will have a link for that in the show notes. Also, check out his ministry, Think Eternity, thinke.org. 
Matt also hosts the Think Eternity podcast. If you like this podcast, I think you will really like his show as well. He's got some really great guests, and they talk about some really necessary and important topics. And I think you guys would like that show a lot. If you guys need me at all, you know where to find me. I am Cole Claiborne on pretty much any social media platform. I would love to connect with you if you are a listener or new to the show. would love to know what you guys think of the show. If you have any suggestions or guest suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to hear suggestions and ways to make this show better. Also, I'd love for you guys to subscribe to my newsletter. I send one out every single Monday that's got some devotionals, links to this podcast, and hopefully going to have some deals for books and other giveaways coming soon. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. There is a link to sign up for that in the show notes as well. But as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we will see you next week.